Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Um, We are ready for this week's episode, and I am so, so, so excited to have Carmen on because it's taken us months, 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 months to get our schedules together so that she could be on the show. And I'm just going to say this line before I bring her on. You're fired. Do you have any idea how hard it is for the average employer to fire somebody? My guest today is Carmen Torres, and she founded my HR specialist. She is the HR specialist for hire. I, I just love what she's doing because when I ran my own business, it was so hard to understand all the nuances of the legal aspects of HR. But I didn't, I wasn't large enough that I felt I needed to hire my own HR person. I wish there was an HR for hire an HR consultant that could guide you through it. I was grateful for the fact that I knew a lot of people, some who worked in HR and large corporations that gave me a lot of fantastic advice. But if you have a company and you don't have an HR person, this episode is one you're going to want to keep and listen to over and over again because Carmen is going to share with us the things that you need to be doing to protect your company. So welcome, Carmen. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much. I'm really excited that you're going to be on the show because I get asked these questions all the time as a business strategist and a consultant to a lot of companies that are starting up or they've been around for a while and they're trying to get to the next level of their business. And oftentimes when I start asking them questions, I realize that they don't have some of the very basic things in place that an average business would have, like an employee handbook, a policies Um, they don't understand some of the legal laws around contractors and employees or interns being paid or not paid. So I understand you're going to share a lot about that with us today. Yes, absolutely. I'm really excited about that. And it's the reason why a lot of my clients come to me, you know, because they don't know what to do. They don't know what step to take next. Or maybe they've already been filed um, or received a, a claim for a suit that they had no idea it went that way. Why did it go that way? <laughs> so they're looking for answers as well and for someone to support them, and, and that's where I come in. I remember one of my clients back when I had my tech company, they had let somebody go who then filed suit against them as a, um, not a harassment workplace, but a, a hostile workplace. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they had so much documentation as to the behavior of this employee, yet this person was able to file hostile workplace. And in order to not go through this long involved thing, they ended up having to pay the person unemployment Mm -hmm. and some money on top of it because of this claim, because they hadn't fired her correctly. They hadn't documented properly in front of the employee as to what was going on. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. It comes up a lot. I, I see it quite often. And what happens is that we're so quick sometimes we react and we just want to terminate someone on the spot, which is why it's important for us to um, have a list, a checklist of, you know, what are we looking for before we terminate someone? And also to have a cool down period. 
Um, just because we think someone is absent or late all the time, if you sit down and look at the records, you might realize that it's not all the time. Maybe it's just once a month, but you happen to see it when it when it happens. And so asking the right questions, you know, checking in with your managers, having that checkoff list, and terminating the employee, giving them the appropriate forms is important. But one of the reasons why employees do file claims after they've been terminated, particularly for discrimination or a hostile work environment um, or even an injury, is because they leave upset. And that, um, that can be avoided. That can be avoided by having the right training to terminate someone. Is it really possible for somebody to be fired and not be upset when they leave? You know, it is possible, and I'll tell you how it's possible. It's possible when the employee does not feel like, where did this come from? Just yesterday you told me I did such a great job on this assignment, and, you know, today I'm being terminated. And the way you do that is by any time, as soon as there's a problem, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. They need to be aware of it. It needs to be documented, and they need to know what next steps are. If this first time is a verbal warning, you let them know, listen, this is a verbal warning. The next time something similar like this occurs, it's going to be a documentation, and so on and so forth. You know, when you're at your second documentation, if that's what it leads to, you might need to say, you know, further disciplinary action will include suspension and or termination. So, again, there's the process that you're taking them along so that they're not surprised, and it does make a difference. <laughs> does it matter whether you have one employee or 100 employees, or is it the same procedures and policies that help? I say particularly in that area that it's important to do things right from the start. So, you know, do the same, have the same disciplinary procedure that you would with one employee, you know, and that you can use and develop, keep developing, you know, when you grow into that 100-employee company. So how does somebody who's about to hire their first employee begin the process to making sure that they have their HR, known as human resources, right from the get-go? What are some things they need to start doing? So you definitely want to start... A few things. First, if you're gonna, you're about to hire your first employee, and sometimes it might be your second employee because you know your first employee you just brought on from nowhere, or you know might be somebody close to you and and they're there to support you. First, it's creating a job description. You have to know what they are going to be doing, what they're going to be responsible for, and they should also know. The job description sets the expectation of the position, and what I love about it is that it can be referenced when you need to address a performance setback. And then having an onboarding procedure. This is super, super important, including training. Not being prepared when your new hire starts gives them the impression that maybe you don't care about the position or about the success of the incoming employee. And having the training allows you to be able to let them know where where they are 30 days from now. You can say, you know, let's see where you are in 30 days. And then it also allows you to let them go eventually or soon after they're hired if they're not the right person. But the third and probably and the most important would be having your employee handbook. Just as you mentioned, you know, the employee handbook helps you communicate the rules and the policies of your employment relationship. And 
It allows you to uh, share your company mission and to set the culture of your team. You know, um, some have a team environment, a corporate environment, traditional, just depending on what you're looking for. It's the best way to also protect your company when you need to discipline or to terminate employees. And um, it, it's also very important to remember to have them sign their acknowledgement form that they've read and received a copy of it. These are crucial when starting to hire employees. So an employee handbook is a document that describes what is allowed and what is not allowed inside a company, right down to the kind of clothes you can wear, how you interact with clients and staff, how performance reviews, I mean, what are some of the other things that are in an employee handbook? Yes, so an employee handbook will have important communication for your employees. It will tell you about a harassment policy, you know, what are um, the steps that someone needs to take whenever they feel like they're being harassed. It tells you about employee rights, medical leaves that are available to employees. And and these leaves could be depending on the size of the company, but it will definitely list that. Tells you about the benefits that you're eligible for. Many companies offer medical insurance, vacation time, paid holidays, uh, sick time leave. So it includes all of the policies and procedures that an employee should be aware of. Um, it doesn't include everything per se, but it's a really great tool to use as a source of communication, um, something to reference, you know, when you have questions about something. And, of course, if the employee doesn't understand what something means, you know, they should definitely go to their manager or the business owner to get clarification. Now, what if, if somebody says to you, they're trying to put together an employee handbook, and they go, well, if I put that in there, then people will see that I'm doing things differently for different people, like around vacation policy or things like that. How do you respond to that kind of situation? So my recommendation and best practices are that you offer the same benefits to all of your employees. This is important. If you are going to offer vacation to one employee, then all employees should receive the same type of vacation benefit. Now, there may be some exceptions in executive level positions. You know, sometimes when an executive comes into a business, they may uh, receive more, you know, to offset their their salary. Uh, but usually if they're an exempt level, there may be some wiggle room around that. However, your hourly and non-exempt, uh, your non-exempt hourly employees should all be receiving the same benefit. There should be no preferential treatment uh, to one or, or another. And the way you base that on is, you change it up by having years of service if you want to give more benefits or more vacation time to particular employees. It would be based on years of service. So year okay. one, all employees receive 40 hours. Maybe year two or year three to five, employees receive two weeks. And that's, that's how you could increase and give more benefits. I, I love it because employee handbooks set a guideline and actually make it easier. <laughs> To, to run your business because there's commonalities. We'll be right back with more from Carmen Torres, founder of My HR Specialist. 
Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Carmen, we were talking about employee handbooks, and I think it's such an important topic for people to understand that employee handbooks actually help you as a business owner. Most people think they're a pain in the neck, at least most of the entrepreneurs I think about, because they don't like putting structure around to their entrepreneurness. Are there um, templates that people can use to, I know when I created mine, and I'm happy to share the employee handbook I had created for my tech company with anybody who's interested in it just needs to reach out to me about it. And I got it from somebody else as a template. But how does somebody get started writing one? Do you offer something that helps them get that done? Yes, absolutely. I do. What I do, and I think what's so important and what I love about the way I work with um, clients is that the handbooks that I create are specifically designed to meet their needs and their company needs. And we go over a template to fill in information according to what they're offering. Like we talked a little bit about benefits, what kind of benefits are they going to offer. Now, there are some templates that you can purchase online, and they're relatively inexpensive. And what I found is that whether it's six months or a year later, I have those individuals who opted not to go with the handbook in the first place through my service. And then later came back and said, you know, um, I received a claim because this wasn't proper, uh, properly noted and I don't know what I did. And so what happens is that you have to answer so many questions and many times the employer, the business owner, they don't know the right response. And so when they enter the information, they're retrieving a handbook that is not what they need for their size business and, uh, and, and it, they're not the benefits that they want to offer. So it is important for them to either work with an attorney who can support them or to have an attorney or a specialist review their handbook before they put it out there if they go that route. And um, it'll definitely help them eliminate some litigation, you know, if, if it ever came down to that. I have listeners from all over the world, and I would imagine that depending on what country or province or what state you are in the United States, there are certain rules that may apply to your company that may not apply to somebody in another country or in another state. Yes, that is correct. And so I happen to know that California is one of the strictest and also a very employee-friendly state. And so what I recommend and what's good practice is that if you're ever going to err, make sure that you err on the benefit, on the side of that benefits the employee most. Which, as an employer, tends to go sideways in the head, right? Because we're like, well, it's my company. Why should I err on the side of employee? So your response to that is because you want to avoid litigation, but you want to be fair. That is correct. You want to avoid litigation and be fair. And you do that, you know, when you do have those questions, then reach out to someone. Reach out to an attorney who can support you with that. Reach out to an HR specialist like myself who can guide you. Uh, don't do things yourself because just as you wouldn't take on accounting if it wasn't your strongest point, I know I wouldn't. So, you know, I'm going to have an accountant to support me through that. Um, you should also reach out to a specialist who can support you with your HR needs to make sure that you're compliant. How did you get started creating your own HR contracting company? Uh, 
Yes, it was wonderful. Well, it, it was unfortunate and wonderful at the same time. A blessing in disguise, I guess. I was working for an amazing company, and we were building a theme park in Dubai. And on a Tuesday afternoon after a holiday weekend, kind of like like this, I actually received a, a call from the business owners who said to me that we needed to lay off 90% of the staff within 72 hours. And in that moment, I realized that, you know, the way we communicated the information to the employees was crucial. It was a big deal. And we did. It was successful. And um, after that, I remained with the company for about two months to ensure that all of the employees received their severance agreements and unemployment claims had been processed uh, correctly. And then eventually, I processed my own layoff. And it was after that that I realized, wow, there aren't any suitable positions out here for me for the level of experience that I had. And shortly thereafter, I started receiving calls from friends who were working and asking, is this legal? Can I be terminated like this or laid off because of this or that? Or friends who had businesses calling me, how do I handle the situation? And I realized, wow, there is a great need for small business owners Regardless of the times, and mind you, this was at the top of 2009, we all experienced uh, some changes, and I realized that it was an opportunity that I could jump into and support small business owners, and it's what I focus on today. I've been in business for eight years now, and I love what I do. I love helping small business owners. I'm not looking to, you know, go with the big guys. I think that what I do is crucial for the small business owner. And um, here I am. <laughs> what, I, what I think is so ironic is that you started your company and had to do all of that firing of everybody and then eventually mm-hmm. letting go yourself the same year that the George Clooney movie Up in the Air came out where he traveled <laughs> all over firing people <laughs> yes. for a living. <laughs> And you, like, lived that movie yourself. Absolutely. And I was told so many times, have you seen the movie? You've got to see the movie, Carmen. Well, I didn't see the movie until maybe three or four years later. And I thought, oh, my goodness, yes, that movie. I mean, it was fun, definitely. But it's a lot different because, you know, when the small business owner is not sending someone off and uh, flying them over to terminate someone, the small business owner is struggling with, how do I terminate someone and what's the best way to do it and sometimes they won't do it because they're afraid (laughs) I I remember the first time I fired somebody that worked for me it took me six months longer than it should have taken me Mm -hmm. and I I knew I needed to do it but I was so afraid of doing it and I wasn't sure of the right way of doing it and then finally somebody I knew said Lori you just have to do it you just have to do it every business owner goes through it and once you've done it once that Anxiety will always be there, but at least you know you can do it. And I had enough documentation that I was able to do everything, but it was still traumatizing because everybody that worked for me, I felt like they were family. I got very close to them. As a small business owner, that's what happens. It's not just faceless, nameless people. That's true, and it's really tough sometimes to stay on the other side of that line because, you know, they've been with you from the beginning, they've helped you build your business, they've been there through, you know, the tough times, the great times, but when it's time to let go someone, 
it's important to, you know, which is why it's important to um, have a friendship, be cordial. But when it comes to business, it's business and set the tone so that if you do need to terminate someone, it's under the right circumstances and they understand, they know that, that it's a business decision and not a personal one. And, and I know that no matter what, it always seems to be a personal thing to the other person and you need to respect that in some ways. Because yes. when I closed my business, I did everything I could for the one person that wasn't being brought on board with the other one, but it was still hard. We'll talk more about that when we come back with more from Carmen Tormas. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Employee or contractor, paid intern or not intern, those are just a couple of the questions that I get asked a lot, but I don't always have the answers to, but my guest Carmen Torres does. If you're just joining us live on the air, uh, welcome back. If you're on the podcast, it's only been seconds since we went off to news, which you don't even know about the news break because I cut all those out for you. So, Carmen, you know, you've been talking a lot about how to get started with a business with employee handbooks and, and the different things people need to think about. One of the other biggest questions that often gets asked, and I know when I ran my tech company, I had to keep talking to my legal guys about this at what point does a contractor become an employee in the eyes of the federal or state governments that is a great question laura and i come across it all the time when you have a contractor who is coming into your office on a daily basis every morning having their coffee there and saying goodbye at the end of the day most likely that's an employee that you are dealing with. Or when, even if it's someone that's working from home, but they're checking in regularly, or perhaps you're giving them a schedule that they must follow, very likely going to be an employee. And what I tell my clients is that a independent contractor is someone who can do their work, who can complete a project without any input from the business owner. And it's a project that maybe has a specific deadline of maybe 30 days, 90 days, but anything longer than maybe 60 or 90 days or even six months, depending on what the project is, you may be crossing the line between contractor and employee. Now, there are a lot of businesses that they may schedule people. I know when I owned my tech company, I had a couple of guys that, I called upon, as, and they were 1099s. They had their own businesses, but they regularly gave me, say, 20 hours a week. But they also did 40 to 60 hours a week with several other clients. Does that factor in to whether somebody becomes a, a contractor or an employee? Yes, absolutely. And the reason it does is because most of their business is not coming from just one employer. So that's very important. If they do other, if they do have other clients and the, if losing your business or losing your contract would not affect their business and they could pick it up somewhere else, then that definitely falls under a contractor. And it's something to, to consider. But if they're only working for you, you're the only person that they're listed as an independent contractor for. Again, it's possible that they are an employee. 
Okay. Is it a number of hours a week? Because there used to be some federal law that says if they work over X number of hours, and this is U.S. law, I'm not familiar with other mm-hmm. countries, um, if they worked over X hours, then they were completed an employee, otherwise not. So it's not really, it, it's not necessarily hours because you can also be a part-time employee. So even if you're only giving them 15 hours and they're working from home and you think they're independent contractors, they may not be. It's more based on who determines how the job is done. If you give them training on what to do, if you give them a script on how to address client concerns or how to speak to your customers and how to sell a particular product, then again, you're the one who's determining how the job is done because an independent contractor is just that. It's someone that runs the business independently and completes a project based on their own experience and in their own time. And it's just uh, for a specific dollar amount per month and there's a deadline of when they need to complete a project and not necessarily a weekly check-in. So it's no longer hours. Again, it, it's more, it's a combination of so many things. There is a test, and I don't have the website available um, right at this moment, but there is, and you can just look up a 20-question 20, 20 test, and it's the IRS test, and it'll help you determine whether your workers are employees or independent contractors. And, and it sounds like the biggest one is whether you're telling them how to do what they do. Yes, it is huge. Okay, so that would explain why the big controversy over the Uber and the Lyft drivers is because they have to follow policies. But yet these people can work whenever they want. So is that the line that they're skirting? They can. However, they're also going through a particular system and um, they're receiving, you know, the pay is going through a particular area. So for example, Let's say when it's not an essential part of your business, for example, you know, having a plumber as an independent contractor when your core business is plumbing and heating, that role is going to be that of an employee. And, um, you know, don't make the mistake of misclassifying. However, hiring a plumber to complete a project or add a new bathroom when your core business is a call center, now that's more defined as a independent contractor. So it's when the the core business of Uber is for drivers. That is their business, and therefore the driver is essentially an employee. Even though they can turn on and off their uh, signal to accept passengers, you know, whenever they wish to do so, but that is the core business of Uber to have drivers. So if a plumber. Uh, I'll use an example. I yes. had renovated five years ago the bathroom in my house to make it more accessible for my mom. And I had a tile company come in. They're they're absolutely amazing, by the way. I love Jerry <laughs> Smith tile. And they said, okay, we don't do the plumbing part. We don't do this part. Here are some people we recommend. If they wanted, they could have used those people as independent contractors, run all the bills through themselves. But then if they keep using those people over and over, potentially they could get into the employee versus contractor. But they decided to say, here's some people we recommend. Go use them. 
Yes, absolutely. And it's probably someone that they use on a regular basis, and they probably realize that that's the best way to handle it. Yes, so they refer them to you, and then this way you also have the contract directly with them. Okay, got it. I got it. Now, what's Mm -hmm. the basic difference between an employee and a contractor in terms of how an employer would handle them in business? What's the essential monetary or legal difference? Yes, so there are a few things. First of all, as an employee, the employer has the the requirement to, you know, keep records, payroll records, to pay taxes for the employees and to offer certain benefits depending on what state you're in. If you're in California, then paid sick time leave would be necessary. And with an independent contractor, you have, you settle on a dollar amount more then often the contractor will bill the employer on a monthly basis and receive a set number of dollars for the work that they are performing. That is one of the biggest differences, you know, where the the independent contractor is responsible for their own taxes and filing. And I, I remember from my aspect, I also had to have workman's compensation, liability insurance mm-hmm. for those different people. But if it's a contractor, they maintain that themselves. Yes, that is correct, and the employee handbook will have those benefits available for for the employee as well. And it is important for your independent contractors to have their own liability insurance. That's a really good point. So if you're bringing in a contractor and they're not an employee, you need to make sure that they're carrying insurance to protect you if something happens while they're doing a job for you. Is that the correct way of phrasing it? Yes, and to protect themselves as well, and um, you know, just you just never know. It, depending on who they're doing some work for, unfortunately, you know, the the individuals or the people that you that is receiving the service, um, they don't have they don't have a means to. Okay, who do I? who do I file a claim against? And they're going to try to file a claim against everyone. So, yes, protect yourself no matter what. Uh, make sure that your independent contractors have the liability coverage necessary. That's perfect. And you really need to find a really good business insurance person to to help you out with the right kinds of business insurance, like errors and emissions, liability, yes. that kind of stuff. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in having the right people on your team, like somebody like you, Carmen, a good lawyer, a good accountant, a good insurance person. They're so critical to every business, whether it's just a solopreneur or a large corporation. So, okay. Yes, and sometimes we want to do everything ourselves. And, you know, it just comes to a point, Laura, where, you know, you want to do the right thing. You want to make sure that, um, you know, you're not overextending yourself. So, yes, have the right team on board. I agree with you. Perfect. One other topic that I want to make sure we cover today, and we're going to start it but continue it into the next segment, is interns. Do you pay them or not pay them? We're we're heading into the summer months now, and you hear all the time about interns. And I think we're going to cut to break now, and we'll pick up with the intern conversation when we come back. Mr. B, can we cut over to break now? Okay, Carmen, we'll be right back. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Carmen, to pay an intern or not pay an intern, what's the rulings around that? 
Well, the rulings around this is that an intern is supposed to be there to gain knowledge and not benefit the company. And I know it sounds odd because most companies want to bring in an intern so that they can help them through the summer months or, you know, that crunch time. However, it's more, there are so many businesses that actually do not qualify for internships, whereas nonprofits would. A business who wants to bring down an intern should consider several things. They should have a plan of action for that intern, and even it should be educational is what it should be. They should allow the intern to be able to come in and learn and to be able to use that skill set to either move on or to be hired into their company. That's where a lot of companies make a mistake where they just bring someone on to do the admin work or to make certain phone calls. And um, But, again, it's important that it's educational and that it benefits the intern more than it does the company itself. And if it doesn't, then you need to pay them because they're grunts? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you should pay them at least the minimum wage, treat them as an employee, and have them go through all the procedures that we talked about earlier with the employee handbook and, and handling them um, appropriately. But um, definitely pay your interns if you want them to do more, or pay your interns if you are looking for them to do things that um, you know, aren't necessarily educational. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. And mm -hmm. my producer, Mr. B, had a question, and I believe I know the answer to this, but I, I want to ask it to you. Florida, and I know Connecticut and a number of other states, and there's a lot of other countries, because I had a friend in the um, Amsterdam area who had this issue getting rid of an employee. What about at-will states, where employment is at will? People interpret it as, well, I can just fire you whenever I want, but is that true or not true? Well, it's true in a sense. <laughs> However, as long as it is not for a discriminatory reason, right? So we always want to make sure that you have the proper documentation. And if you are going to terminate someone, that it's for the right reasons. You know, is it just because, well, I just don't like, you know, I don't get along with them, and so I'm just going to let them go now. That's not a great reason to let someone go. Your at-will uh, employment statement is there to protect you and to protect the employee. So if there is truly a situation or maybe they're just not the right person for the position because they have not been able to complete the training that you set up for them from the beginning and try to do it as soon as possible. We talked about terminating employees. The sooner you come to that realization, the you should act on that quickly, terminate quickly, and not let it drag on for months later on down the road when they feel that they've been doing well and they've never been addressed um, with any concerns. So, again, use that at-will statement to your advantage, but use it properly. Just like anything, make sure you document, 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 because anybody can really try to sue you even if everything's there and correct. Yes, Yes, especially because when you're telling an employee that you're letting them go, they're no longer thinking about what you're saying in that moment. They're making their own assumptions based on what happened a few days ago, or maybe they complained about something, and now they're thinking, oh, this is retaliation. So absolutely, act quickly and communicate with your employees whenever there is a concern that you have. And all that kind of stuff should be in the employee handbook. 
Absolutely. Yes. And, and, as, and in their employee file. And in their employee file. Oh, that's great. So what kind of things should be in an employee file? So the employee file should have everything from uh, the resume, maybe that they submitted, an employment application, emergency contact information. There should be some payroll information, you know, how much they are being hired for um, for the position and their title. Uh, their job description should also also be filed in there. And what we don't realize is that sometimes when we have medical information, that information, confidential and medical information, should be kept separately, as well as I-9 or identifying documents. This will help you eliminate discriminatory decisions. And it also protects the employee's right of privacy. So if you don't have a non-compete or a confidentiality agreement inside your handbook, you should also have something like that in their employee file, something that says they signed the book, signed these agreements. Yes, and most of most of the handbooks that I work on now will include them. It's a lot easier sometimes for small businesses to include them, but if it's not included, definitely have one separate and make sure to have those acknowledgments in your file. As a, as a geek, as somebody who's big into cybersecurity and writes about it and does different things, I also recommend, as an aside, I'm sure you have these in there, but how people use technology and what's allowed in technology communications and devices as well. Because um, I, I've had to have stuff in there with people and people violated policies and what they ended up doing with data jeopardize the company and it was easy to fire them because mm-hmm. they had that clause in their handbook and it's basically you violated especially when you have a healthcare practice or something like that having that technology in there yes absolutely and it's very common those policies are very common in handbooks today and if you haven't looked at your handbook in the last two or three years you're definitely uh, working with an outdated handbook so get those checked out right away so, Carmen, people want to know, how do they get in touch with you? Great. So, um, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd love to offer your listeners uh, my three free special reports. And um, they can reach me and uh, get a hold of those reports by going to my page at www.myhrspecialist.com. Or they can find me on Facebook and just look for my HR Specialist. I love that. And, and I know you're not very active on Twitter, so that's right. <laughs> so Facebook or myhrspecialist.com and Carmen you have some amazing papers out there that ha- you have about interns and employees and employee handbooks that I think every business owner whether you're just starting out or have been in business a long time should have. So thank you for offering them to my listeners. Thank you Laura, it's a pleasure. Last thought you'd like to share with my listeners. Well, one thing I said earlier is that if you do things right from the start, you'll never have to worry about doing things right. So just do it right from the beginning, no matter what it is that you're doing. It sort of sounds like, okay, so do things right from the start, but make sure you have the right people in your corner to make sure you're doing (laughs) the right things, right? Because you think you're doing the right things, but it's like the show. It's all about the questions and giving people access to the right people like yourself. Because we think we know what HR things need to happen because maybe we've worked corporate, but it might not apply 
to the company we're dealing with, that we've created. And that's, that's where correct. you come in. And which is why I love your show. And because you do, you have to ask the right questions. Am I the best person to handle this? No. Okay, who is? <laughs> so do things right from the start, no matter what it is. Yeah, I know when I had my company and I started out and it was just me, I was so grateful for all the people that I knew who had been in business longer than me. And I'm like, tell me what I should do so they don't make the same mistake you probably made when you started your company. And they're like, oh, my God, I could tell you stories. Yes. And, you know, I love the fact that you are providing a service and making it affordable for people who don't need a full-time HR person, but yet need the protection of a you in their lives. Yes, it's very important, and I'm glad that I'm able to do that. And um, It's definitely something that I want to continue to do, and thank you for the opportunity to share this information with your listeners. Oh, you're you're most welcome. It's my joy. I learned uh, several different things, too, that um, if I end up adding employees to my company again, I'm going to be adding to my employee handbook and thinking twice about contractors versus not, and it's going to help with some of my clients. So this is... You know, that's what I love about this show, Carmen, is I get my own ahas. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. You know, and, and when Jessica Rhodes suggested that I interview you, I'm like, oh, that's so brilliant. Absolutely. Everybody needs HR. I, I almost think that we need HR in our personal lives. When we have yes. to deal with conflict resolution, we didn't even talk about that. We alluded to conflict resolution. Maybe I'll have to have you back on and we can talk about some of those other kinds of communications with employees. Yes, definitely. Um, to get into, you know, some of those other topics. I mean, there's so many things. And even, you know, harassment. I mean, it's such a big deal. I see it come up regularly, Laura. It's unbelievable. Yeah, sexual harassment is a big thing. I mean, look, we're seeing mm-hmm. it happening in our and own government. Yes, not even just, you know, I mean, abusive conduct and sexual harassment. They're huge right now, no matter what. And it doesn't matter how small your company is, it happens. All right, and you have lots of resources at myhrspecialist.com. So, Carmen, thanks again for being on my show today. Thank you. And remember, everybody, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? And don't forget, it matters who you ask it of. Have a great day, everyone. See you next week. listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.